in Ukraine, where Russia may have launched one of its deadliest attacks yet on civilians. And a warning, some of the video we're about to show you is disturbing. Authorities say at least 51 people were killed by a missile strike on a village near Kupiansk. The rubble you see right there on your screen is what's left of a shopping area. Now, important to point out to viewers, this is not a strategic target, and it's far from the front lines in the east. Officials say a six-year-old child is among the victims. Many of those killed were actually at a cafe attending a memorial for a dead soldier. An absolutely devastating attack that happened here in the village Khroza in eastern Ukraine. We're actually pretty far away from the front lines. I would say about maybe 25 miles away from the front lines. Nevertheless, as you can see, this building here absolutely annihilated. The Ukrainians are saying that this was a supermarket and a cafe. Now, they say there was an event going on at the cafe, that uh, there were a lot of people uh, in the cafe for some sort of funeral event uh, for someone who is local to here. They also say more than 50 people were killed in this attack and the bodies were absolutely mangled. I want to show you over here, you can see that a lot of the forensic work is actually still going on over there. We're obviously not going to go close to there uh, because uh, some of the bodies really are not in very good condition. The Ukrainians are telling us that because of the thrust of the explosion, because the explosion was so strong that they actually haven't been able to identify all of the bodies yet simply because they're in such bad condition. The Ukrainian authorities say that the missile that was used to destroy this building was an Iskander. That's a medium-range missile with a massive warhead that can do a lot of damage. And obviously, when it's dropped on a fairly small building like this one, the result, well, you can see it right here. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky is condemning the attack. He's been at a summit of European leaders in Granada in Spain trying to shore up continued aid for Ukraine. And he's been calling for more air defences. Have a listen. I believe that today it is impossible to protect people, especially during the winter, except by air defence. To protect people who died absolutely tragically because of this inhuman terrorist attack. 50 civilians were killed during the funeral. Russia does this every day in the Kharkiv region, and only air defence can help. And so, Europe has a lot of its own issues, different challenges, but from Ukraine's point of view, the key topic was air defence. Inhuman terrorist attack, Zelensky saying they'll be live on the scene of that attack in just a moment. But first, CNN's Nick Robertson joins me for more in London. And Nick, as we said, and I mean, some of those images, to look at that, it's really hard, very disturbing to watch. And important to point out to, view, to viewers, this is in the east of the country, but far away from the front lines. Yeah, 40 kilometres uh, away from the front line there. The Ukrainian authorities have been telling people in that eastern area, not per se in that village, yeah. but closer to the front line, you know, women, children, elderly people, that Russia's offensive is so brutal there from artillery shells that really they need to evacuate if they can. But this village was a long way back from the front line. But this is a precision missile. And as President oh. Zelensky said, it's not the first time we've seen strikes on other popular cafes uh, and, and, you know, places where people, civilians, gather. Deliberate target, targeting a cafe. It's what do we know what was happening? How many people do we know? What are you hearing from people on the ground regarding what exactly, how, how many people are on there? Yeah, a tiny village, 330 people live there, according to the uh, interior minister. He said that representatives of every family would have been at this funeral. Um, 
why the Russians chose to target it. They haven't even admitted that they've targeted it yeah. yet. Um, you know, it's easy to think that they've got that they've got drones in the sky and they may be watching a gathering of people. Who knows? Or they just decided that this was where they were going to target. But these types of missiles are high-value missiles, and you don't use a precision, high-value, high-explosive missile unless you really intend yeah. to hit a target, and they did. So this tiny village now, I mean, imagine more than 50 people dead, 330 people live there, potentially as many as one in seven people in that village are dead. And, of course, the attack on civilians is an attack that we've seen several times is part of the, the Russian kind of playbook since the war has begun. But this coming, of course, as we played that little clip, as Zelensky meets with leaders in Europe to try and diplomatic push to try and get support. At the same time, we are seeing that fraying, uh, the, the halting of support from some in the Republican Party. Just to explain to our viewers, because you've been in and out of Ukraine mm. since the war started, what would a pause uh, of US aid, what would that mean for the war in Ukraine and indeed for Europe? There's an analysis that says that even with this sort of a political pause, the money's still there, the ammunition is still there, it's good until December. But imagine you're the commander on the front line or you're the quartermaster that's sending out the ammunition to the front line. You don't know what's going to be coming into yeah. your store in How'd a month plan? or so. So, therefore, your plan is to reduce what you're using on the front line and, therefore, you can expect Russia to test where those weak points are. Part of the offensive operation by Ukraine was supported by the heavy use of lots of artillery. That's how they managed to move forward. Well, now, potentially, they're not going to have that. So forget trying to advance, because yeah. in their minds, they need to conserve, because, as President Zelensky said, we're hearing strange things coming from Congress. We hope that it will get right. We hope that there'll be unity between the US and Europe. But we don't know what's going to happen. If he doesn't know what's going to happen, then the frontline soldiers for sure don't. Uh, yeah, and we heard from President Biden saying that he was worried. And we've heard one of the other candidates throwing the hat in the hand for the speaker, Jim Jordan, saying there would be no money for the war in Ukraine. So there are concerns. Europe is putting on a unified front, saying we'll be with Ukraine for as long as it takes. What are you hearing? I mean, can Europe fill that pause, fill the gap in any way that the US leaves behind, both in terms of funding, military funding, but also ammunition, hard military hardware? It's taken everybody to get Ukraine, everybody, United States and Europe, to get Ukraine to this point, and it's going to take them all to maintain this position. And that's what President Zelensky is talking about, unity between both. I was speaking last night with a senior European political figure, mm. um, you know, within the EU, there's a feeling that European Union leaders are united, they're politically committed to supporting Ukraine. Mm. This is what they've told their populations, this is what they're going to do. But if the United States goes, goes uh, pulls, pulls out of support, becomes more isolationist, yeah. the financial burden is more than the European Union can, can fill. If they try to provide some of the shortfall, they will have to cut back in other areas, be it agriculture, be it subsidies to some of the smaller nations within the European Union. It would not be without effect. And then you can expect this political strength and unity that exists um, to, yeah. begin to, to begin to fray. It will strain it. And that, and that was, without a doubt, probably the concern for many in Ukraine, if that, if that support uh, wanes. Let's talk about uh, Vladimir Putin. I mean the man who probably would benefit if that support uh, begins to wane. We're hearing today that uh, hand grenade fragments were found 
in victims of those inside the plane crash with Prigozhin. It was part of Prigozhin, I think, the plane crash back in August 23rd, just months after that failed mutiny. What are you hearing? What did Putin say? What are we hearing from this investigation? Well, his quoting R Russia's uh, investigative committee, OK, it, to us on the outside world, that's a black box. We yeah. cannot verify and check what they say. And nothing They're... was prevent presented in terms of evidence. Putin didn't present evidence. Uh, yeah. The Russian government hasn't so far made anything available. So there's no way of verifying what this committee is saying. There's no way of verifying how much political pressure they were under to come up with the analysis that they did. But Putin has said that, that hand grenade fragments were found in the bodies of some of the people who were aboard that aircraft. Now, we don't know what brought down that aircraft. The investigative committee was supposed to find out. Um, it, it came down not because of uh, of plane failure. Now Putin is suggesting it came down potentially because of an explosive effect. But you're still left with the question... Who put the grenades in Who put the grenades, in, put the grenades in? Who triggered them to go off? Um, you know, the facts of what Putin has said, that the grenade fragments were found in their bodies, may entirely prove to be true. But, but as you say, we don't know... We don't know. We've got more questions Why than answers at this point. We do. And this is a narrative that suits Putin. It kind of disperses the blame, has played out the, the removal and the death of Prigozhin very carefully. So I think everyone in Russia understands that the man at the top calls all the shots. I don't think there's any doubt in anyone's mind that, that, yeah. that Putin will be behind this. However, the evidence, we don't have the evidence to prove that. Um, but he presents an analysis that perhaps gets him off the hook. Uh, yes, um, everyone else can read between the lines. Um, thank you very much, Nick. Always great to have you on the show.